Amen, church. Go ahead and take a seat for me. Uh, thank you so much, worship team. Uh, thank you, volunteers. And thank you, church, for showing up here uh, this morning. Welcome to the church at Newtown Road. Service on the lawn. If you are on the lawn or in your vehicles or if you are at home watching our live stream, we want to say welcome to you and thank you for joining us this morning. It's a scorcher out there, folks. But you have braved the weather, and we are the church, and we're going to get through this, amen? Uh, because we're here, and we can still be excited no matter what the weather is, because we're gathered together, uh, the Assembly of Christ, just joining together and worshiping Him, uh, and, and we want to thank you for that. A few quick announcements as we uh, go on with our morning. Uh, first is this, uh, just a reminder, there is a place that you can give on your way out if uh, you prefer to give your tithes and offerings in person. Uh, there's a silver bucket box thing uh, on the table as you, as you exit, and we can do it that way. It'd be great. Thank you for those who gave, and thank you for your continued giving your faithfulness and your tithes and your offerings. Church, God is using you uh, to, uh, to further his kingdom, to glorify himself through your faithful giving. So thank you for that. Uh, next Sunday, we're going to be out here, weather permitting, and we are going to, there's a, there's a few exciting things happening next Sunday. We are going to honor our seniors. Uh, we didn't have a senior night for Wednesday night, so we're going to honor our seniors next Sunday. So if you can encourage them, if you see them, to be here next Sunday morning, and we will highlight them for, for a moment then. And then I want to um, kind of thank our Newtown kids, volunteers and leaders, for an, what an amazing job they have done over the past few months. Are you, have you been encouraged as families for the Newtown kids? Uh, Miss Heather, Miss Jess, uh, Miss Chelsea, like those who have served and are volunteering and putting things together, uh, I want to say thank you. Heather, you've done an amazing job, and so um, thank you for that, really. And I want to invite Heather up here. She's got an important announcement for our families. And so if you can uh, welcome her for a moment. Good morning, everyone. It's so good to see you all. I'm sorry it's so hot, but we'll make it through. Um, guys, this is for my Newtown kids. If you are preschool through fifth grade, I want you to raise your hand and be really loud. Ooh. Oh, they didn't hear me. Okay. If you are in preschool through fifth grade, I want you to raise your hand and be really loud. I love the front row. Thank you. All right. So we have a really fun, exciting thing for you. For the first time ever, we have our Newtown Kids Summer Box O-Fun. Heather, what's in our Summer Box O-Fun? All right. Pastor Tyler, I want you to open that up for me, okay? Yes. Good luck. <laughs> Okay, so in there we have, can you hold up one of those items for me? There will be water balloons for you. Yes. There will be a beach ball for you. And there's going to be directions on like different games you can do with all these items. Now there's other things that will be in there that I don't have in there because it's a surprise. But we have crafts. We have an experiment where you can make your own ice cream. Ice cream. Cream. Ice cream. <laughs> and we have... Um, the gospel, God's plan for me, and it's an awesome six-session family Devo guide and a kid's activity book or storybook, depending on your age, and it's a really awesome time. So parents, if you're on vacation and you have that long drive, that's what I'm talking about, okay? Use that Devo guide. So 
How do we get that box? I'm glad you asked. On your church center app, there's registration starting today until Saturday. You can register your kids to get one of these boxes for free. Yes. And so we just ask that you only register your kids because we only have 150 and we want to make sure that all of our kids get one. And then starting next Sunday, you can come pick them up at the registration um, table at the end of our service. And if we have any extras, you can use this as an outre outreach opportunity to give to your neighbor's kids or to your grandkids who don't come to our church. So we're excited about this. Newtown Box, Summer Box of Fun. Who's ready for it? Whoop, whoop. Well, thank you guys. Tyler and Heather, thank you so much for the job you do with our kids. It's such a blessing. We're back in Mark this morning. It is so good to be gathered, and uh, I am not going to linger too long, I promise, because I don't want anybody to melt into a puddle in front of me. So uh, special thanks to all those who are working so hard to make this service happen, and we'll look forward to being back with you guys next Sunday morning, right here, weather permitting for that. Back in the Gospel of Mark in chapter 9, we've been bouncing along in this gospel since the fall, and I, I hope it's been as encouraging to you as it is to me as I've been studying. feels like we're finally hitting a good stride. Last week, or two weeks ago, when we left Jesus and his disciples, if you remember, they were coming down the mountain from the transfiguration, and the disciples were predictably confused. They were unsure about who Jesus was, unsure even in that moment about who this... Um, who the forerunner was, who John the Baptist was, and who Elijah was. There was all kinds of confusion about what was really going on. So they make their way back down the mountain, and today we pick up in the story in chapter 9 of Mark's Gospel, starting in verse 14. And when they came to the disciples, they saw a great crowd around them, and scribes arguing with them. And immediately all the crowd, when they saw him, were greatly amazed, and ran up to him and greeted him. And he asked them, what are you arguing about with them? And someone from the crowd answered him, Teacher, I brought my son to you, for he has a spirit that makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down. He foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out, and they were not able. And he answered them, O faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. And they brought the boy to him. And when the spirit saw him, immediately it convulsed the boy, and he fell on the ground and rolled about, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And it has often cast him into the fire and into water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can, all things are possible for the one who believes. And the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. And, then, and when Jesus saw that a crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, You mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. And after, and after crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out, and the boy was like a corpse, so that most of them said he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And when he had entered the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, This kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word and its power. God, the passage before us seems challenging at first glance. I pray for wisdom and discernment today as I attempt to teach and make sense of the passage. 
Pray for your spirit's guidance, that our hearts would be open to receive, and our ears would be unstopped, that we would hear your voice and know what to do. In Jesus' name, amen. I entitled the, passage, or the message today, The Faith of a Father, and, and the guy's faith is a little bit suspect at times, but we'll, we'll see that shortly. The first thing I can think we can notice this morning is there is no small commotion going on here in the first few verses. The crowd, as Jesus arrives, the crowd is pressing in around the disciples. Remember, Jesus has been away, right? The scribes are there. The religious people are there. And once again, the religious people are not there to seek from Jesus clarity on his identity. They are there to argue with him again. The religious leaders are Jesus' biggest opponents. We have to keep that in mind as we read the Gospel of Mark. The religious leaders are the greatest opponents. And they see Jesus coming and they immediately leave the disciples and they begin to press in on Jesus. And Jesus asks, what's going on here? Like, like a father who walks into a room full of chaos where his children have been arguing. I know a dad who had to do that just yesterday, actually. A, a hypothetical, figurative person in my mind who walked in from his backyard into World War III and wondered, what is going on here? And Jesus says, what is happening? Why are you arguing with them? He's not talking to the disciples. He's asking the, the, the crowd, why are you bothering? It's almost like he's getting defensive uh, for his disciples. He walks in, he sees they're in trouble, and he says, why are you guys messing with my disciples? And a desperate father speaks up from the crowd. And he says, Jesus, it was me. I think it might be my fault. You see, I, I have a boy, and my boy is, is afflicted with an evil spirit. And my boy's in trouble, Jesus. So the spirit will, this evil spirit seizes him, and he, he goes mute, he convulses, he shakes, he gets rigid, he foams at the mouth, he rolls on the ground, he has seizures. I mean, from, from the 21st century, it sounds like this man, this boy, is having a severe epileptic episode. That is not to say in any way that, that diseases or neurological disorders or things like epilepsy are the result of spirit um, oppression. That is to say, however, that the, spirit, or the evil spirits often seize on what is there naturally and use it to distort and mar the image of God in man. And the father says, basically, we heard you were here, so I brought my boy to you. I figured you could help him, but when we got here, Jesus, you were gone. So I asked your staff if they could help me, and these guys are useless. He's like, I, I brought my boy, we came to find you, you weren't there, so I asked them, and they couldn't help me. I don't know what you're doing with the training process here, but something is going on. These guys couldn't get the job done, but you're here. And Jesus, rather than getting angry and backing away from the crisis, finds himself at a crossroads and jumps into the fray like he always does. He enters into this crisis. And he gets a little bit frustrated, doesn't he? He answered them, O oh, faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? And how long am I to bear with you? He's... <laughs> Frustrated with the religious crowd for still not seeing him. Frustrated with his own disciples for still not understanding. How long do I have to bear with you guys before you finally put it together? 
What else do I have to show you? I've opened the eyes of the blind. I've unstopped the ears of the deaf. I've loosed the tongue of the mute. I've healed leprosy. I've raised the dead. I've walked on water, feeding the thousands. What else do you need, you faithless generation? You guys, sometimes, sometimes we get a little bit discouraged because we struggle to see clearly what God is leading us to. Look to the disciples for a sense of encouragement today. They were eyewitnesses of Jesus and still struggled from time to time to understand precisely who he was and what he was doing. So really, you still don't get it. It's almost reminiscent of the sighs from the earlier episodes. I'm a loud sire. My wife loves that. <sighs> Cleansing therapeutic breaths, right? Jesus said, so how long do I have to be with you? He says, just bring him to me. Bring the boy here. As the boy is brought near to Jesus, the spirit inside him recognizes Jesus' identity. Remember what James tells us. The demons believe and they shudder. The spirit world knows exactly who Jesus of Nazareth is. They recognize him as the son of God, the Christ, the Messiah, the victor, the triumphant one who stands over them as they are in submission to him. They know exactly who he is. And so in a last-ditch effort, he tries to go out with a bang, and he grabs the boy, and he throws the boy on the ground, and he convulses. And the boy is struck with a horrific episode. And Jesus, when he sees this, he asks the, the father, how long has this been going on? And the father says, from childhood or from infancy. Translation, a long, long time. And he says, actually, Jesus, this is mild. It gets worse. Sometimes the evil spirit seizes him and throws him into the fire or throws him into the water in an attempt to kill him. Any of you parents out there ever watched your children struggle? Any of you parents ever seen your child suffer? It could be a physical illness, could be a sickness, could be an inoperable, incurable disease, could be mental anguish and emotional distress. Have you ever seen your child, some of you are, are older parents, and you've watched your children battle addiction. You've seen them walk through the breakup of a marriage, and you know what it is to see them suffer and feel so helpless that you can't do anything to lift their burden. And here this man has watched his child, his beloved son, from birth, from infancy, be afflicted by this evil spirit and be unable to help him in any meaningful way. He's been heartbroken for years on the regular as his son is suffering. And he stands by helpless. And he says to Jesus, it's been happening since he's been a boy, but if you can do anything... Have compassion on him. He doesn't sound so confident, does he? Jesus, I, I don't know. I, I heard about your, your reputation. If you could handle this, please go ahead and do something. He says, sir, if? If I can? No, the question is not if. The question is not my ability. The question is, is your faith? Do you believe it's possible? With me, all things are possible if I can. Yes, I can heal this guy if I can. My goodness. There's absolutely nothing that God cannot do. There's nothing. This is not a question of my ability, sir. This is a question of your belief. Do you believe that I can heal? Are you looking to me with faith believing that I can heal your son? 
And perhaps feeling the sting of rebuke, the man says, Well, yes, yes, I believe. Lord, help my unbelief. I do believe you, Jesus, but sometimes my lack of faith shows up alongside my belief. Help my unbelief. I've always been intrigued by this statement. That belief and unbelief, that faith and a lack of faith, are kind of entangled together in every moment of our lives. My faith in Christ and my, my confidence in his abilities does not mean that there will be an absence of doubt that creeps up in my mind. Faith and doubt are intermingled together in almost every major move of God in our lives. It's a false impression to think that faith means that doubt doesn't exist. Faith and belief does not mean that doubt doesn't exist, but that we cling to Christ and his promises even in the midst of doubt and unbelief. That we trust, we submit to God, we take captive those doubtless or those doubtful thoughts, those faithless thoughts. We take them captive and we draw them under submission to Christ and we act in accordance to God's will even when we're scared and uncertain. Guys, I've known too many Christians who have wondered if they were really Christians because they struggle to find faith in the big decisions of life. They know what God wants them to do, they know what they should do, and yet they feel doubt, and they think that the conflict is somehow an indication that they're not really Christians. My friends, the conflict is an indication that you're in the battle. And faith and unbelief are doing this weird dance in our lives every moment of every day. We need to die to ourselves daily. We need to cling to Jesus. We need to submit our minds and our thoughts to him. Faith and doubt are working together in our lives. He says, Jesus, I do believe, but sometimes I don't. Would you help my unbelief? That's a great prayer to pray. God, I do believe you can heal my mom. Help me to believe. I do believe you'll answer prayer and provide for our family financially. Help me when I doubt you. Because isn't that how it works? We all know God is powerful. But God's power doesn't pay the bills. But it does. Right? We say, yes, God's powerful to heal. And we pray for healing. And yet we still doubt and we still get nervous every time we have to do the cancer pre-screening thing, right? Every six months when we go back for the MRI, I know God has healed, and I'm still scared. You can't tell me that faith and doubt don't, don't work together in our lives on a regular basis. Faith is not the absence of doubt. It is the trust in God in the midst of doubt. Let's be people of faith. The faith of this father is encouraging. He brings his son... And then Jesus gives a miracle. The crowd comes running over. Maybe, they're, maybe they know what's about to happen. They press in. Jesus identifies the spirit. He speaks to him. He says, you mute and deaf spirit. He calls him by a name. Something about that just struck me, that Jesus knows exactly how this boy is afflicted. And he commands him to come out and to never enter him again. I want you to get out of him and you leave him alone forever. A complete healing. The spirit, realizing that his time is up, throws the boy into the most vicious of convulsions. So severe that after he left, the crowd looks on and thinks he's dead as his body lies there exhausted and lifeless. And yet Jesus reaches down and touches him and lifts him up out of his exhaustion, out of the emptiness of his own inabilities. When he was helpless and had nothing else to do, Jesus reached down, touches him, and lifts him. I think there's a word in there for us. 
that when we come to the end of our resources, when we are exhausted and empty, when we're weary and heavy laden, he reaches down and touches us and lifts us up and says, follow me, I'll give you rest. So the disciples, they see all this happen. They go back inside the house and they pull Jesus aside and say, hey, Jesus, what just happened out there? How come we, we did the thing? We, we said the thing. We, we looked, we touched the guy. We told him to come. Why were we unable to fix this? Can you, can you help us understand? And Jesus says, sure, it's simple. This one doesn't come out unless you pray. What? Th- that's it? This kind only comes out through prayer. And another gospel says prayer and fasting. Now this is not some superhuman, some special, miraculous, next level, varsity kind of prayer gift. No, no. They just didn't pray. Maybe they were a little presumptuous. Maybe they felt like they had this. Maybe they thought this is just a boy. We can handle this. And so they tried it without God's help. And he said, you want my power, you better ask for my help. You want to see my fruit, you better make sure you're working with my power. I don't share my glory with anybody. All right, so what? What does all that mean for us today? I think there's a couple. Just for record, one of these days, one of these wasps is going to sting me in the back of the neck while I'm talking, and I'm going to freak out. And it's going to be really funny, but your firearms are useless against them. So don't worry. All right, here it is. Here's what we can see. One, I think we see the faith of a father here this morning. We can see an example of a man who was desperate at the end of his resources, who loved his son and didn't know how to help him. But this man heard of Jesus, and he knew that Jesus could help. So he did everything in his power to lead his children to Jesus. There's something really beautiful in that. That those of us who have experienced the power of the grace of Jesus in our lives want nothing more than our children to walk in that same power. That we want our children to know Jesus the way that we know him. We want them to be able to say from their own experience, this poor man cried and he answered me and he lifted me. We want them to know him and say, I have the joy of knowing Christ and the fellowship of his sufferings. We want them to say that they're going to press on towards the high calling of knowing Jesus. We want that. Dads, moms, parents, anybody with influence, let us follow the faith of this father and work and labor to lead our loved ones to the grace of Jesus. The second thing I think we can see today is the conflicted heart. That belief and unbelief are entangled. Faith is not the absence of doubt. It's not the absence of fear. It's not the absence of unbelief. In all of the biggest moments of my life, and I'm guessing yours too, decisions of faith needed to be discerned inside a sea of doubt and a sea of questions. And many times, even after I made a decision, I had buyer's remorse. And I began to wonder, did I do the right thing? Remember the the old preacher that told me, never doubt in the darkness what God has shown you in the light. If God has led you to something, has clearly shown you, step out in faith. And when it gets dark and confusing, stick with what you know to be true. No, no, we've been there. We've been there. We interpret the presence of doubt and unbelief as though we lack faith. 
Or is it we're, we're bad followers of Jesus or something? No, no, not at all. Faith and doubt are always doing a, a, a synch- synchronized dance in our lives every day. And thirdly today, the work of God is dependent on the power of God if we want to see the fruit of God. It's wild to think that these disciples, who just came off their own gospel road show, who preached, who healed, who cast out demons, were stumbled upon and stumped by this little boy. They couldn't do it. They had seen God's power work through them, and yet they couldn't get the job done. And Jesus tells the reason is that they didn't pray. They didn't seek him. They didn't go to him and ask for his power, for his help. And there is a word for he- there for us today. May God help us not to presume that we can handle each situation without his help. As small as they may seem. As insignificant as you might judge them to be. In everything, present your request to God. In everything. Job decision? Ask God. Tough conversation with the spouse? Ask God. Trouble with the kids? Ask God. Difficulty in your own heart? Go to God. You need to disciple someone? Go to God. If we want to see the fruit of God, we need to be working within the power of God, and we need to ask Him for that. We have to pray. We have to ask. We have to walk in His power. Because without it, all that we're going to see is the stuff that we can accomplish. And my friends, he is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask or think. So you might have some elaborate dreams about what you want God to do with your life. He's able to do exceedingly abundantly above that. But the only way you get that is if you take your hands off of it and let his power work through you to touch it. They didn't pray. They didn't ask God. And they were unable to see the miracle. What would happen? What would happen to a church that embraced that kind of mindset, that pursued Jesus and leading our friends to Jesus, that realized that faith is, is confidence in God in the sea of unbelief and doubt, and realized that we have to ask for God's power to do God's work? I think God might unleash a new revival in this community if a group of people would humble themselves and pray and seek his face. Ask for his blessing, confess their sins, and seek his power to flow through them. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word and all that it teaches us. Thank you for this congregation and the blessing they are to be gathered today. Thank you for the lesson this morning and the reminder that that faith, faith is activated in a sea of unbelief. And sometimes, God, we we are in need of this man's prayer. We believe you, but God, help our unbelief. Let us be faithful people. God, in the midst of our doubts, I pray that you would reveal to us what is true and excellent and pure and noble and praiseworthy. Show us your will. Show us your plan. Lord, I pray for our dads in the room today and watching at home, that you would lead us to lead our children well, that you would lead our hearts to Jesus to find healing and grace and forgiveness and life, and that we would share that with those we love. And I pray, God, that we would be a congregation dependent on your power to do your work so we might see your fruit. And God, we ask that in your mercy and your goodness, you would pour out your blessings on this congregation, in this community, that we would see the kingdom go forward with great power. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
All right, at this point, we're going to turn it over to our worship team, so we'll say goodbye to our live stream audience. Thank you for joining in with us. We look forward to seeing you guys next week, right here, weather permitting, on June 28th at 10 a.m. And be watching our social media feeds for details and announcements concerning our reopening on the 5th of July in our buildings. We can't wait, and we're going to have some more details coming in the near future. So goodbye to all you live streamers. Happy Father's Day to those of you watching from home. We'll turn it over to Dave and their team.